0: everyone I'm Kyle Dyer and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday September 29th as we close out the month there is a lot going on and all underneath a full moon let's get started by introducing you to this week's panel we have Patty Calhoun founder and editor of Westward David Kopel the research director at the Independence Institute Chris Rourke, managing editor at Denver Business Journal, and also Alton Dillard, a community relations specialist with the Dillard Group and former elections spokesperson for the city and county of Denver. Thank you all for joining us this week. You know, each week our panel gets together to discuss, and then, you know, by the time our show airs, stories may evolve. But we are coming together right now as Congress is working on a spending plan. And if there is no deal approved, our government will shut down at 12.01 this Sunday morning. Patty, this deadline has been set for a while, and yet there is still always that frantic crisis mode to find some kind of agreement.
1: It's beginning to feel very, very familiar, yeah. unfortunately. You know, if a elk bugles in the forest and there's no one to hear it, Does it really happen? Think about Rocky Mountain National Park. Biggest time of the year for there. Rocky Mountain National Park with the fall leaves turning and the elk bugling, and a huge income provider for northern Colorado. That could shut down on Sunday morning. 10 years ago when we had the shutdown, Hickenlooper, actually, then governor, actually went out, found money from the state to keep Rocky Mountain National Park open for 10 days, just so there would be that income. We don't know if that will happen again with Polis this year, if it even has to happen. But you look at all the other people who are affected, the federal government people who are on furlough, the military people who won't get paid, the 88,000 people in the state who rely on some kind of food program. So. AND THEN ALL OF NORTHERN COLORADO AND ANYONE AROUND A NATIONAL PARK WHO IS NOT GOING TO GET THE TOURISM INCOME THAT IS HUGE IN THE fall, SO IT'S GOING TO HAVE A BIG IMPACT, NOT JUST ON COLORADO, OF COURSE, BUT THE REST OF THE COUNTRY, IF IT HAPPENS. IF IT HAPPENS. DAVID.
2: IT'S A SIGN OF A CONTINUING BIPARTISAN DYSFUNCTION IN CONGRESS. THE WAY THAT SPENDING IS SUPPOSED TO HAPPEN IN CONGRESS IS, FOR EXAMPLE, FOR THE DEPARTMENT OF INTERIOR, WHICH RUNS THE NATIONAL PARKS. THE HOUSE OF REPRESENTATIVES PASSES AN APPROPRIATIONS BILL FOR THE NEXT YEAR FOR THE DEPARTMENT OF INTERIOR. AND THEN THE BILL GOES TO THE SENATE, AND THE SENATE MAYBE CHANGES IT, PASSES AN APPROPRIATIONS BILL, AND THE PRESIDENT SIGNS IT. THAT'S THE NORMAL PROCESS. SPEAKER MCCARTHY, TO get BECOME SPEAKER MCCARTHY, PROMISED THAT WE WOULD RETURN TO THAT NORMAL, PROPER, CONSTITUTIONAL PROCESS. INSTEAD OF PASSING APPROPRIATIONS BILLS, we are in this relentless cycle of just continuing resolutions. It's like, oh, let's just keep things going uh, at the same level, which, of course, if you did that, you could write a fairly short bill. But these continuing resolutions are literally thousands of pages long. Impossible for anyone to read in time to cast an intelligent vote.
3: It has. Chris, you're agreeing a lot to what David said. (laughs) I am, and I think this is a poor play by Republicans, because historically shutdowns bounce back on them. The, there is a reciprocal effect that we are going to see in 2024. I think it's uh, likely that the GOP could lose the House. I don't think they're going to get the Senate seats that they want to gain. Um, I think it's, it's, this is an exercise in futility, first of all, because they're eventually going to pass something. The government's going to open up once again. But then there's going to be this hangover of what actually happened. Additionally, we have this sideshow going on with a Colorado tie. There was a report that came out last week uh, about Congressman Ken Buck auditioning for a job with CN poten- CNN potentially. Um, he has since come out and said no, he's running for a reelection, but now the rumor mill has started with disinformation. Now I've heard he's running for governor and he's running for you know Douglas County commissioner and, uh, and all these things. And yet, at the end of the day, I ask myself, is Congressman Buck trying to be thoughtful in being nuanced in his positions, or is he really, in fact, trying out for CNN? Mm. ALTON.
4: Well, I'm a former United States Senate staffer, and so I went through the shutdown of 1995. I worked for Senator Bednight Nighthorse Campbell, and this was just a few months after he switched parties, and I ended up moving to Washington, D.C. Members of Congress, their salaries are locked into the Constitution. They still get paid but it's the people doling out the Senate bean soup and the people who are on the janitorial staffs, et cetera, who get the adverse effects of that. And so this one feels a little different because usually shutdowns, of course, come down to spending. But during the mid 90s shutdown, there was not that far right scorched earth caucus that says, we're gonna shut this thing down regardless. And I'm worried that if it does go to a shutdown, this one could probably be a little more protracted than the ones back in the mid-90s, which were about a week to 10 days apiece.
0: Mm-hmm. and it was interesting on Wednesday night, all the, well, not all of the, Republican presidential <laughs> candidates came together, and they were pointing fingers at both sides and, the, and Congress and the president and everybody for, for blame for this, yeah. No comments on that. Oh, they're talking over each other
3: was inspirational. You were being very quiet. You have interrupted me. <laughs> I should have. I know.
1: I was behaving myself the way they did not on Wednesday night.
3: I had to turn it off. It was ridiculous. How are we going to listen to what people's positions actually are when they're fighting and arguing? And, and it was just a free-for-all. I wish the moderators had taken more control. At one point, one of the moderators said, don't make me turn off your mic. Cut the mic. Just do it. They're not uh, as they're, tough.
2: If if I may say something. (laughs) (laughs) For me, a highlight was when one of the the moderators asked this ridiculous question of which other candidate on the stage do you want to vote off the island? And Ron DeSantis said, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, this is not a game show and and had a proper answer. And also another good answer to that question was Chris Christie, who's not going to be the nominee, but is a mean-spirited, articulate New Jersey guy, he's wonderful on television, and he said of course the answer should be Trump, the guy who won't show up in debate and defend his ideas, because his, his behavior's been indefensible and he's cowardly enough to know that he can't go toe-to-toe uh, with the others.
0: Tuesday sweep of a homeless encampment by the governor's mansion in Denver made for the first encampment sweep in which unhoused individuals were moved into temporary housing. And while the Johnson office had worked with that aspect of our housing issue in Denver, more migrants are arriving in Denver at every day after crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, David.
2: First of all, unhoused, like its predecessor, homeless, is a ridiculous euphemism that conceals the problem. The people who are living on the streets have terrible personal situations going on, but the fact that they don't have a place to live is a consequence of other things behaviorally uh, and mentally uh, that are wrong with them. And we've seen all the places that say, oh, housing first, put them in a house, it doesn't work. It makes the situation worse. Another problem that's going to get worse and worse is the what you mentioned about migrants. Denver declared itself a sanctuary city, very virtue signaling, easy thing to do. And that, that's fine when you have a small percentage of the uh, unlawfully present population in your city. But when the Border towns and states finally get fed up and say, great, you're a sanctuary city. El Paso can't handle 200,000 people coming over the border. And until the border is under control, the problem in Denver is going to get worse and worse and worse. And bad as 23 is, 24 is going to be worse and 25 is going to be worse than that. And the problem is going to spread statewide. Mm -hmm.
0: Chris.
3: Yeah, David's got a great point about you know housing first. Does it work? There are people that will argue that of course it does. They've seen great statistics and great success. But he brings up a great point about the many cities that have tried this and have failed. San Francisco being key among them. The, the homeless population, those who are unhoused, uh, has grown from 2005 to 2020. Has literally skyrocketed despite you know their best efforts to provide housing first. Um, This is the first test of Mayor Johnston's plan. We will see if it works. Congratulations to him if he has found the silver bullet. I'm not sure that it is.
4: The thing that I find interesting, and I've seen some reporting, including in Westward, about people who either weren't there when the services were offered because they're working, even though they're experiencing homelessness, but also that there are people who were still not interested in the congregate setting if it came to getting off the streets. So one of the things I'm really keeping an eye on is what uh, Governor Gavin Newsom's doing in California with the care courts. Now maybe getting somebody all the way into conservatorship is a bit of a stretch, but this thing where we're not going to keep negotiating with people who either are, are a danger to themselves or other, and getting them in some kind of court ordered care. So I'm thinking that between that trying to get people, you know, with a roof over their head. But to David's point, if all you're doing is putting the issue out of sight, you know, you don't want people bunkered down behind closed doors. You want people being helped to get out of their circumstance. Mm-hmm.
1: Patty, well, Denver, I just had a very interesting story because we've already had the safe camping places over two years and they found that only 50% of the people who'd been in those camps then went on into housing that there was some the rest have kind of disappeared, whether they're back on the streets. So a critical issue will be, how is the Johnston administration going to chart this? The people who were at the encampment were offered a place at the Best Western Motel. They didn't have to take it. They could go move somewhere else, but at least 80 of them did, so you'll want to we'll wanna follow and see, how did it work for them? What kind of services are they being offered? But there's still plenty of people who don't wanna take, who don't wanna leave the streets, because of issues, a variety of issues, and that will be the critical issue. Can we take care of that, too? But I would also like to suggest, if the Texas governor is gonna keep bussing migrants up, could we please bus some of those Texas skiers back to him?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is the time of year. When the heart of the the capital city here gets geared up for big annual events, people from all over Colorado will come to town to shop to see holiday light shows, you name it. But first, Chris, uh, this week, 600 people gathered at the Paramount, not for a show, not for a concert, but to hear how Denver is doing in terms of being attractive for work and play.
3: Sure. Uh, the Downtown Denver Partnership held this event, and they are trying to change the narrative about downtown. We hear about the crime, we hear about homelessness and everything. They're trying to talk about all the successes we're, we're seeing and the, the wonderful things going on. Kudos to them, because when you change that narrative, perhaps you change people's attitudes, maybe you do see a bump. but. Um, is it whistling past the grave? I mean, we still have a tremendous homeless problem, like we're talking about the sanitation issues, the parking, the feeling of safety being downtown. I don't know that you can change that with with just words. You have to have actions, and you have to you have to see results. Um, I met a friend after work on Tuesday this week, and we met out in the suburbs, and we're enjoying ourselves, and then we got texts from some mutual friends. They said, come on downtown. We're at such and such a place, and my friend said, "Mm, I don't want to go downtown.
4: I'm over downtown Denver. It is the lower downtown part turns into amateur night after a certain amount of time. You've got this ongoing excuse-making about the pandemic being the thing that led to downtown's downfall. And, you know, people have to remember, you know, what started the downfall was that guy swinging that six-foot length of pipe at people on the 16th Street Mall. That was all the way back in 2016. That predates the pandemic. I know there's this sort of move to get people out of cars in Denver, but if you don't have a semi-decent transit system, it just does not work. We need places to park. We need people to be able to go downtown, be able to enjoy their public spaces without being harangued, panhandled, petitioned, whale saved, children saved, whatever the case. You need to be able to go in public and just every once in a while have someone not in your face, and downtown Denver's not set up for that.
1: Well, we do have some significant problems. One of them is the mall construction project, and that was planned long before COVID. Once you've started it, you've got to finish it. It was unfortunate because if you go downtown, which I do every day, Uh, It is like an obstacle course getting there. I went yesterday. I decided I'd drive to the tail end of that downtown partnership event to see how long it actually took to find a parking place, and it was a good half hour. Which was, uh, But fortunately, we made up for it by sitting outside at the West Saloon where the event was. And actually, it was a great afternoon, beautiful in Denver. Even though the mall was a mess, people were walking around, people were shopping. It is not the hellhole that a lot of people describe. Alton, when our office was by the wine coop in 1989, they were cutting off bums' heads. You might recall that. I mean, there have always been issues. And Lower Downtown has always been bromance central. (laughs) I mean, it's always been a tough spot to go to. (laughs) But there are still great places to go downtown. And people need to go and make their own decisions. The arts, you do not want to avoid things Mm -hmm. at the Denver Performing Arts Complex. Just park earlier. Um, The former El Chapultepec building, which has now just had a concert Wednesday night, which is really trying to bring back nightlife and remind people how important the nighttime economy is. So go find a restaurant downtown, go experience it, and you might find it's more pleasant than trying to find parking in Cherry Creek. Hard
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right, there as well, David.
2: I grew up uh, as a teenager walking all over downtown Denver in the 70s. It was a less magnificent architecture, somewhat significantly sleazier uh, than it later became, but it was great, and and it was basically safe to walk around. And it's and people properly. I think accurately, don't feel that way now. And it's it's not just a problem of of the vagrants, which Mayor Johnson correctly correctly identified, but also other roving bands of criminals and and things like that. Many people don't feel safe taking an RTD bus at 11 or 11.30 at night. And as for coming in by car, Mayor Johnson's predecessor, Mayor Hancock, worked harder than anyone in the history of the state to cause traffic jams. Penfield Tate talked about that a lot on this show. And Mayor Johnston hasn't done a single thing to reverse the pro-traffic jam policy. So until they solve the accessibility problem, all the great improvements in infrastructure like like the mall or Skyline Park won't be enough.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Earlier this year, Colorado legislators approved a law which says it's all right for elected officials to ban anyone from their social media accounts. Well, that is now being challenged by a Denver Public School parent who says her right to free speech was violated when she was uh, blocked from the Facebook page of the school board's Vice President Dalton.
4: Well, you know, we spend so much time talking about the Second Amendment, maybe it's time we revisit the First Amendment. <laughs> the founding fathers really did not envision things like social media, etc. And I'm one of those people that 99% of the time, I'm going to give any elected official who puts their name on the dotted line to try to serve a populace in these crazy times, a baseline level of respect. And so even though I don't always agree with Director Anderson, there comes a time where it's like, you know, how many pot shots do you want to, you know, take? I can understand the need for protections, but maybe there needs to be some kind of separation between your personal and professional uh, profiles and maybe that's one way to tackle that. But I just think this is a slippery slope.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and let's not forget that Anderson definitely blurred the line with his public and professional life. when asking for baby presents birthday party things and this woman who filed the suit fascinating because she was very concerned about what the DPS had said about and specifically Anderson had said about McAuliffe and the principal there and she had a a child there and wanted the word to get out and at the time DPS was framing the narrative on that school and we've since seen that they said actually even though there was the holding room, there was nothing racist about how the holding room was used. The students who were in there were of all colors. So I think, you know, if you aren't behaving properly in a professional way, people are gonna come at you any way they can.
2: The Supreme Court is gonna, U.S. Supreme Court is gonna take two cases on this and where there's a split, the Ninth Circuit involving a, a school official says, look, look at this guy's Facebook site or whatever it was. He's, he's constantly doing official business on it, making announcements about the school board, all these things. It looks very much like a government website. And on the other hand, the Sixth Circuit says in similar circumstances, well, there's nothing in the law that said this official had to maintain a website it's, or, or, you know, or a social media site. Nothing, no taxpayer dollars are spent on this. Nobody else in the government is telling this official what to say or or put on it. So uh, on First Amendment law, there are good arguments on both sides. Maybe here's something we can agree on. The Blair Caldwell Public Library is doing a month-long exhibit to honor the one four-year term of Director Anderson in his pathetic public career. Maybe public libraries should spend their resources on honoring people who have made a more substantial contribution uh, to our city. Okay. Chris.
3: David, I didn't realize you were so funny. (laughs) I agree with David. You know, I think more about this lawsuit being a sort of a challenge to the law rather than necessarily going after information pertaining to DPS. Um, Anderson has mixed posting about work on his personal page. I don't know. Does he have a, a business page? I'm not sure. However, when it comes to a personal social media site, I'm for blocking all day long. I do it frequently and um, and a firm supporter of it. But ultimately, I think David's right. It's going to come down to a Supreme Court decision. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, let's have the panel talk about some of the disgraces and the good things of this past week. Patty, I'll start with you. That's something that
1: just really kind of ticked you off. Well, besides David stealing half of my disgrace, the behavior of the Republican candidates Wednesday night was so bad, but the moderators were not great either. And Dana Perino, who is a Denver woman, that was one of the reasons I wanted to catch how she was doing. When she asked the survivor question, I don't know if CBS paid money to for product placement on the debate, but that was a new low point in debates. Mm-hmm.
2: The Colorado Republican Party is broke because a lot of people don't have confidence in it. And so they're, they're having their annual fundraising dinner in November. And they, they have brought in a speaker who will probably sell a lot of tables, at least at the basic rate, which is Carrie Lake, the defeated Republican nominee for Arizona governor in the last election. But d- despite the uh, beef and cabbage revenue she can generate. She's a terrible choice for the party's image. First of all, she's a loser, and she lost what should have been a very easily winnable election against a very weak Democratic opponent. Second, she's a complete liar. For example, this week she was saying that Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, forced people to take COVID shots, which is exactly the opposite of the truth. And the the party, if it's going to be taken more seriously, needs to bring in serious people and not... uh, performance artists who are disconnected from reality.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna peg off of that. My disgrace of the week is Congress. I think we need to give some serious consideration about the people we are putting in office. When you have Senator Bob Menendez being accused of of the financial issues that that he's being accused of, Representative Jeff Duncan from South Carolina, Google that one, Uh, when you have our own Congressman Lauren Boebert, which I know you guys fully vetted her performance at the Buell Theater, things of that nature, we have got to start looking at the character of the people that we're electing, and I think it should start soon.
4: Uh, my disgrace again has to go to my hometown school district DPS they put out a big report with a bunch of spin and a bunch of misleading stats still trying to divert people from the school safety argument and the fact that the superintendent over the past couple weeks has really doubled down and said well that's just two or three schools that are squeaking about you know you know school safety to me that's asinine so again it's a combination of what's going on with the teachers but also Also, we've removed consequence from the lives of anyone under the age of 18, and it's going to come together in a not good way.
0: And election day for the DPS school board is what, six weeks now? Six Mm -hmm. weeks away. Coming up. All right, let's go to something positive,
1: Patty. While its namesake ballpark is depressing, Coors Brewery is celebrating 150 years. Big bash and golden. They've been good citizens of that city and this state, so cheers. To bus- Beer Brewery and a business that's older than our state. Exactly. Very exciting. Mm. All right.
2: More pro golden. Okay. If you want winning football, Colorado <laughs> School of Mines or Diggers. They are four and this season, which is more wins than CU and the Broncos put together. They are ranked number two in their division, which is Division Two in NCAA football. Last season, they went to the national championship game. Uh, so, and you you can get tickets without having to wait in line, and you can see them on TV, so uh, give them a shot.
0: And parking isn't 50
3: bucks? That's right. <laughs>
0: okay, good. All right, good.
3: good. Go diggers. Well, I have two. First of all, I would like to publicly state that Coach Prime is now my life coach. I'm going to follow everything he does. But um, thank goodness there was a break in the Suzanne Morphew case. She is from Maysville, which is down near Salida at the base of Monarch uh, Pass. Um, she went missing three years ago. They discovered her remains in Sawatch County. And um, investigators say they have more questions than they do answers at the, this point. If if you want to look into Swatch County's reputation, just Google Swatch County body found. It is a, um, a county of 6,500 people where there's there's been a lot of trouble there as far as when people go missing. Um, Creststone is very close there. There was a, a, a cult that moved through there that was carrying around a mummified uh, spiritual leader with them. So there are a lot of weird things happen down there. It is a case to watch, but uh, hopefully her family and the community can start getting some peace and some answers. Well
4: done. And mine is a shout out to the service industry because, as my good friend Peter Groff says, nothing works and no one works. And so there are people in restaurants, there are people at sporting events, there are people at theater events who are trying their best in their short-handed situations. You got two bartenders, 60 customers. I've gotten to the point where I do what I call reverse Karen. I'll call the manager over to compliment customer service because I understand those people are doing what they can with essentially no human resources to be able to do their job successfully
0: that's a good reminder for everyone when we all go out thank you dalton alton uh my pause of this week is the month of september this month did not disappoint this year and the colors of the changing leaves are stunning before they pass this, their peak enjoy everyone we are so lucky to live amongst all of this natural beauty we just have to take the time to go out and look, right? Thank you for joining us this week. That goes for our panel and for those of you at home who are watching on on your TV or your device or if you're listening to our podcast. I'm Kyle Dyer, I will see you next week here on PBS 12. Take care.